Welcome to John Longwell Media. Creative multimedia including music, inspirational messages, and audio prose. Today's message is entitled, Striving, recorded on September 30th, 2017, at Sol Rio Church in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, where John served as the guest speaker for a citywide men's gathering. I pray you will be blessed by the message as you listen. Here now is John Longwell. Good food today, huh? Amen. Um, just have to extend a great thanks to Pastor Floyd and all of the folks here at Soul Rio for continuing to open up this opportunity for us men to get together. Um, as you know, this is not a Soul Rio event. This is a men event, a men of God event. Um, we've got a lot of guys from Albuquerque. Albuquerque guys here? The Albuquerque churches, raise your hand. Awesome, awesome. Re Rancho, Re Rancho represent Westside. All right. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and open in a word of prayer. Father God, we do thank you for the opportunity to, to sit at your feet today and to learn from you as only a son can from his father. And so, Lord Jesus, I ask that um, as your word comes forth today, that um, I would diminish, that you, your Holy Spirit would have free access, free reign in this place. We just give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Is this a little hot, Mike? Is it just a, okay. I'm, must, must be my hearing aid, sorry. All right, so a little bit about myself. Um, my name is Pastor John Longwell, and I'm one of the teaching pastors over at Revive Church here in Rio Rancho. We meet at the Star Heights Center, which is a little community center right behind the Walmart there. Um, I've been a preacher for almost 30 years now. Can you believe it? I'll be 48 next year. I preached my first sermon at my old Lutheran church in Ames, Iowa, when I was 18 years old, when the pastor found out I was going to Bible college, and he said, well, I'm going on vacation, so when you come home for Christmas for your summer break, why don't you preach? And I was like, okay. So that was fun. Um, I've been an actual pastor for about 20 years. Right now I work as a web developer. I'm the webmaster for Rio Rancho Public Schools. Um, I'm a married married dad. I've got uh, two kids in their 20s and I've got a stepdaughter with my wife, Cynthia, right now. Um, I'm a, an aspiring writer. One day, hopefully you'll see my books on the shelf in the airport. Um, I'm a musician. I actually play on the worship team with Neil and Seth. Um, and I'm also a classic and supercar enthusiast. Enjoy long walks on the beach. No, I'm getting, getting into all that. That's my other website posting. So as men, we're, we're somewhat driven, wouldn't you say, some of the times? We're driven to succeed and to, to fulfill our God-created um, purpose. I'm rather task-oriented. If you give me a task, I want to finish it and ask you, what do you want me to do next? <coughs> I uh, went back to school in 2009 to get my degree in web development and web design. And I graduated in February of 2012. And as graduation was approaching in January, I remember praying a prayer. And it was a simple prayer, which was this, God allow me to use my gifts and abilities to effectively serve you. Now, when you go to college and you're in your 20s, you've got those big 40, 50 years of work left in front of you. But when you go to college in your 40s, you say, you know what, I've got a limited amount of time and I would really like to use it effectively. I would really like for God to use all of my skills and abilities in a way that would bring him glory. And so I've kind of narrowed down, for guys at least, the three building bricks of our foundation, which I would like to share through these three scriptures. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 7 tells us, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Has anybody ever made a foolish decision? Two, three, four, ten. You need all your toes. Um, me too. But that's why we learn. 
You know, and, and in fact, a lot of people say that before you succeed, sometimes you have to fail upwards of 100 times before you make that first thing of success. But it's a lot easier if you start off from a standpoint of wisdom. That's why God tells us, don't be foolish, be circumspect on how you spend your time, therefore understand what the will of the Lord is. And so the first thing that we need to do is we need to understand what the will of the Lord is. Now the second thing is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. It instructs us that whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. How many of you have ever found yourself doing something that you never ever thought you would be doing? Yeah, that's a lot of us. When I first um, entered college, I went to UNM in 1988, and I was an aspiring English major until I decided, hey, I should, I should just do away with the scholarship that I worked so hard to get, and I should go to Bible college, which, you know, of course, thrilled my parents. They were like, okay, well, you can pay for that yourself. And so I became a pastor, and um, that was the route that I was on. Well, you know, sometimes not all pastor jobs pay that great, and so I worked as a lot of other different things. I was a truck driver. I was a lumberjack. I was a flight attendant. I was... I did all kinds of jobs, and then um, once I was more into the administrative side of church, I, I realized, you know what? People aren't looking for churches in the Yellow Pages anymore. They're looking online. And so I, every church I would go to, I was like, hey, you should probably get a website. In fact, I do these guys' website. And so I found myself in my 40s as a web developer doing websites. I was like, that wasn't even a career option when I went to school in the 80s and the 90s. <laughs> and so, therefore... We are to put our hand to whatever we do, and we are to do it with all of our might. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 exhorts us to not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we will not give up. What is the most cliche answer that you will get if you ask somebody how, how it's going? It's going. Yeah, it's going. That's right. It's that I'm so tired, I'm so weary, I've been doing this for so long, and so... These, in short, these are the three things that make up the building blocks of our purpose. We should know what to do. We should get busy doing it and stay the course until it's done. Let's pray. That's it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but we could. We're, we're guys. We're that simple, right? We need to figure out what it is we're supposed to do. Then we're supposed to do it. And we're supposed to not stop until it's done. That's as simple as it is. God's word is powerful. And as I, as I share this morning, I don't want to just preach. I'd really like to allow the word to minister to you. So if you just bow your head in prayer with me, I want to pray over these three things because maybe you've connected on one of these three points. Father God, give us wisdom for what your will is for our life. Maybe there's some of us out here this morning that are simply wondering what it is we're supposed to do. Maybe they're at an intersection in their life and they just need that direction. Father God, I pray that you would, that your light of your word would just give them direction and wisdom. Father God, we need strength for the task. Not all things are easy to do. It's not easy to even, maybe there's a, a, a difficult work environment or there's a situation. Lord God, I pray that you would bring resolution to whatever those obstacles might be. And then last of all, Father God, give us steadfastness for that journey ahead because we know that sometimes it's a long road, but Father God, you call us to only walk one step at a time one day at a time. So give us your perspective in all of this. And we just pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We want to be able to basically say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That's, there's no greater statement that we could make at the end of our life than to know that we've been doing what God has called us to do, that we have been doing it faithfully, 
and that at the end of it all, we can simply say, you know what, I, I really believe that I'm ready to pass this on to the next generation. As Moses passed it on to Joshua, that's, that's, there's no greater thing that we could ask of ourselves at the end of our days. So I mentioned earlier that I'm a little bit task-driven. And sometimes I get so wrapped up in the task, I forget to connect with God. It's so easy to do. Your head is so far down and you're just, you're, you're so concentrating on what's in front of you that you forget to acknowledge God in the middle of all that. You see, knowing our purpose is almost like somebody just saying, go west. Okay, well, that's, that's a direction. So I'm going west and then you, you encounter a mountain or you encounter a stream. Well, now what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to walk along the bank until I find some place to cross? Am I supposed to wait across? Am I supposed to climb the mountain? We need to have specific details. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. When we acknowledge and connect with God, he will give us our course corrections for the journey. You know, if I was a captain of a ship and I was leaving New York, heading for London, I would basically plot a course east. And all would be well if there was no storm or nothing that got in my way. I could pretty much just stay right on course. But if anything came my way that I had to make a course correction for, if I just kept going straight or what I thought was straight, I might end up in Africa. And so we have to be very diligent to hear the voice of the Father so that daily we can make those course corrections. Our daily fellowship with the Father reveals the specific steps that we're to take. Psalm chapter 119, 105 reveals, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 4610 says, Be still and know that I am God. Why is this so important that we are still? Because we're so busy. And that's kind of the, uh, the topic that I want to get into today to today. My, my sermon is, in, is entitled Striving. Now to strive means to make great effort to achieve or attain something, which in and of itself, that actually sounds pretty good. It almost sounds like the recipe for success. We should make every effort to accomplish the task. Get up each day, take the proverbial bull by the horns. However, another definition for striving is to struggle or fight vigorously in opposition against something. In short, it means to rival, and sometimes we can actually find ourselves rivaling or struggling against God. So let's, I want to ask you some questions, maybe see if you can identify with any of these things. Have you ever found yourself overwhelmed, restless, anxious, lost, lacking purpose, worried, doubting, discontent, or unfulfilled right now, every day, all the time? If you answered yes, you may be striving with God and you don't even know it. The reason why we don't know it is because sometimes striving can feel a lot like ambition. We're supposed to be ambitious. We're supposed to be motivated. We're supposed to be go-getters. We're supposed to be goal-oriented, right? As guys, that's, that's the whole kind of recipe for success is to, is to charge in, to be driven. But sometimes we can allow these things to come at a bit of a cost. So let's break it down. Let's use a car analogy. So an engine of a car should run smoothly with all of the parts moving in unison. If there's discord, which means the parts are striving against one another, and you place any kind of a load on the engine, it's immediately going to fail. Or in time, it may even explode. Now this can be true for us. 
we can recognize striving. Sometimes it's just a struggle. We may just say, well, it's just a struggle that I'm encountering as I'm trying to overcome a goal in my life. In John 16, Jesus talks about troubles. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now we could almost call this harmonious discord, which basically means that when we're one with Christ and we encounter a, a problem or a struggle, it's okay because we have the peace of Jesus Christ to walk us through those troubles. Now, rivaling God or striving is actually characterized by a struggle where there is no peace, and actually in place of that peace, we have one of those other things I mentioned, restlessness, dissatisfaction, lost. And so I'd like to share an example of striving in my, my own life that happened just a couple of months ago. Now, um, in June of this year, I sold my 1967 Camaro. Now, let me tell you the two best parts about owning a Camaro. The first one is the anticipation of buying the Camaro, seeing it online, maybe seeing it in person, just imagining driving that car, going down the street. It's, that's great. And then the next best time is after you've sold it. Now, maybe that's not everyone's experience. I'd like to tell you a little bit about mine. So 2011, November, I saw this. I'd been shopping for Camaros online. I was kind of that approaching maybe the, the middle age part of my life. My kids were both out of the house. I had finally completed the tasks that God had called me to do. And um, it was now time for dad to give himself a little bit of a treat. So I shopped online and I found a beautiful blue with black pinstripe 1967 Camaro. Everything looked good and so I bought the car. So I had the car a little over six and a half years. And of that time that I had it, the car spent about three of those years in someone else's garage, getting fixed or getting upgrades done. I hadn't done my homework completely as I should have, so that was on me. Um, I had a whole list of things that I wanted to do to the car to, to make it. It was definitely not an originals, numbers kind of a car. It was a hot rod. It had, it had cruise control. It had rally seats. It had a 700R4 transmission. It had a small block 350 with um, electronic fuel injection, you know, for the mountains driving and all that kind of stuff. It had all these fun things. But every time I would drive the car, there was no guarantee I was going to get back home because that car was, was so filled with things, maintenance issues. It got to the point where I was so over the car that my New Year's resolution for 2017 was, oh God, please let me sell this car. It took me until about two months before I sold the car, but before I finally got it running right. Because I don't know if you've ever shot for a classic car, but a classic car that doesn't run is worth about a tenth of its value. And so I knew that the only way I could sell this car for the value that it was, was to have it running well. And I could not have sold it in good faith unless I knew that it was running well. So at that point, then you're, you ask the question, well, well, maybe you should just keep it. I was like, I was over it. My love affair with the car was done. And so I finally sold the car in June of 2017. I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. My life is simplified. I have put the tourniquet on the finances. No more, no more financial leaks and repairing this thing. And it was great. It was streamlined. What I hadn't realized was this car had opened up so many. I, I got to know all these classic car repair shops in town. It had been the source of these relationships that I had, I'd never known. I, I had a, a 1975 Chevelle when I was in high school. 
And um, I, you know, at that time you could work on your own cars now if you don't have all the diagnostic equipment, you couldn't really do that. So it was almost like a venture back into my youth. I got to, you know, got to get dirty and greasy. When I first opened the hood of the car, I didn't even know what I was looking at. But by the time all was said and done, it was a rally sport, so it had the flip up headlights and everything. I was fixing all these little parts on my own. I, I felt really good about the knowledge that I had gained. And so I went on for about one or two months and I was like, you know what? I do a little freelance work on the side and that's kind of my, my car account. I was like, you know, I, I really think I need something else. <laughs> you know, and I, this time though, I was like, okay, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to educate myself. I'm going to make sure that I know exactly what I'm getting into. So my wife had gone out of town on, on a five-day trip to go see her, her family in Oregon. And so, you know, every once in a while, if you're married, you get one of these bachelor weekends where you're just like, ah, oh, this is great. I'm going to sleep in. I'm going to just kind of do what I want. So I got on YouTube and um, was starting to look at some car videos and stuff. And I ran across the Stradman. Has anybody ever heard of the Stradman? All right. I gotta, if, if you get a chance, you've got you to gotta look up this kid. Okay. So the Stradman is this kid in his mid-20s. He, he was 24 years old when he started posting videos. He's a supercar enthusiast, so he likes the Ferraris and the Lamborghinis and the Maseratis, Paganis, all of these cars that are 200 mile per hour plus cars, these V12s and above. And so um, he started posting all of these videos of these cars to his channel. And his goal ever since he was a little kid was to own a supercar. And he really wanted to own the Lamborghini while he was still in his 20s. And so he worked as an accountant for a construction company and he saved his money and he put a down payment. He put a $70,000 down payment on $110,000 Lamborghini Gallardo. It's a 2006, this beautiful orange color. And he bought the car. So here he is, 24 years old, kid with a Lamborghini. Well, that's, there's not a lot of kids in their 20s that can say, hey, they, they own a Lamborghini. So um, he's working for this construction company. He owns the car for, for four months now. He comes in, and uh, so he posts daily. He's got all these cool little things that he does with the car. He comes out and he posts, and he's, he says, I just got laid off from my job today at the construction company. He goes, of any day that I could drive the Lamborghini to work, he goes, my boxes of my stuff from my office won't even fit in my car. Have you ever seen the trunk on a Lamborghini? It's about the size of a backpack. And so he's like, wow. He, he was just, the look on his face was just amazing. So he's out there and he's like, well, hmm, this is kind of interesting. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do. So he, um, he says, well, I can probably get an accounting job fairly easily. He goes, but I've never really had any time to myself. He goes, we got a little compensation package from the company. He goes, I'm going to take a couple of months before I start looking for jobs. And so he did. So he started taking a couple months and he started going on some of these, these rally races, or not really rally races, but the rally runs that they have with all these other you know, supercar owners, that Lamborghinis and stuff. And so four months goes by, he's traveling all around, posting stuff to his YouTube channel, just, just loving life. Well, jump ahead to the current day status. It's now been over two years and the Stradman has yet to get a, another job in accounting. He's actually posting videos to YouTube now and he's making about $9,000 a month just posting videos to YouTube. Now, I, wouldn't, I won't endorse a lot of the guys out there that are posting stuff, but this kid, he posts videos that his mom will be able to watch. So he's a really, he's a really cool kid. Uh, I, I, to me, it was almost like watching a documentary. Okay, so where does that involve Mr. John here? So I'm watching these, um, 
these videos and it inspired me. You know, it, I said, you know what? I need to cast aside all of my excuses. I need to go for broke. Life is too short to drive a Civic the rest of my life. So I set myself on the task of, well, how can I own my dream Lamborghini? So I now have a new task. I set myself to solve a problem that I didn't really even, that really didn't even exist. It was a fake problem. My problem was I had a garage and no Lamborghini to put in it. I was determined this time though to educate myself. I looked for Lamborghinis online every day when I came home from work. Um, I learned all about the different kinds that you could get. I got to the point where I was truly actually feeling anxious and dissatisfied. And my life was so unfulfilled now because I didn't have a Lamborghini. God finally gave me my answer in 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. And he said this, he says, Now godliness with contentment is of great gain. You see, my joy, peace, and satisfaction were tied to this goal. Kind of a ridiculous goal. Absolutely. But it establishes a principle for all of us. Have we ever put a goal before God? And it's easy to do. We're driven. We're goal-oriented. We're task-oriented. We, we want to fix it. We want to make it happen. And sometimes we can put those goals before God. 1 Timothy 6, chapter 7 and 8. Um, verses 7 and 8 says, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, which also implies our habitation or shelter, with these we shall be content. But a lot of us like to do an add-on to verse 8. The add-on is, And having food and clothing, and a raise, and a 67 Camaro, and an RV, with these we shall be content. But there's a basic truth, which is that if we are unable to enjoy the simple basics, no amount of anything else will ever satisfy. We sometimes mistake contentment for that feeling that we have, even right now. Okay, you were hungry when you came in, and now you're content. You've got that, you know, that hunger pain has been pushed aside. But guess what? That hunger pain is going to come back. And we almost see that contentment as though it's that elusive temporary condition. But contentment is grounded in joy and in peace. It is the state of our heart, not the state of our circumstance. You may not always be happy, which is tied to your circumstances, but you can still be at peace and have joy. You see, godliness with contentment is great gain, is only experienced by that scripture that I mentioned earlier, the Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. Do we truly feel how blessed we are? Do you truly feel that? Do you know how blessed you are? But see, by adding on to that verse 8, we've set the bar of contentment beyond our reach. In Job chapter 1, verse 21, he said, And naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And this is like the verse in verses 7 and 8. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. And yet, as we all know, we're so far beyond just food and shelter, aren't we? In fact, there's... Thousands of people right now that are in the Caribbean, I just saw it on Nightline last night, that don't even have the very basics, and yet we're so far beyond food and shelter. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll admit it, it is harder to be content living in Western society because advertisers bank on our dissatisfaction. They want us to look at all of the new gadgets we have, the, the television that's, that's in our den, the car that's in, our, that's in our garage, the phone that's in our pocket, and they want you to quickly become dissatisfied and, and go, 
my, my phone is the Galaxy Samsung S4. And they're like, dude, why do you have an S4? That thing is so outdated. I'm like, because I don't want to pay $600 for an upgrade to a phone that's going to do the same thing that my phone already does. In fact, I was the phone that I loved was the Droid, the, the little flip Droid that had the QWERTY keyboard. I, can't, I constantly send wrong text messages because my thumbs are too big to... To, to pound out the stupid things. I'm like, would you please make a phone that at least has keys for big meat fingers like myself? And so we live in a society where it's the, the lines of what is a need and what is a, is a want has been grayed. Every day you're, oh, you need this, you need this. Have you ever been watching television and then the commercial comes on and it's so much louder? They want you to hear their message. It's very invasive. So we mistake our needs um, every day. I need a new iPhone, a Lamborghini Gallardo, a motorcycle, an ATV. Contentment can be elusive without gratitude. I'd like to share some verses that I pray will cultivate a thankful heart. Psalm 136, verse 26. Give thanks to God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Colossians 3, verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. We must guard our hearts from the pursuit of wealth. Money is an evil, but pursuing it easily leads to idol worship. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And Jesus highlights that so much because in, in money he talks about mammon, which is really that pursuit for materialism. He says, on one hand, you have God. On the other hand, you have, the, you have mammon. And he puts them at polar opposites of each other because he understands that each one involves an incredible devotion and a pursuit. If you have nice things, a lot of times those nice things have you because they come with maintenance and they come with upkeep. And they, I know that when I owned the Camaro, there were a lot of things that's like, man, I, I was always worried. I was like, man, I don't want to close, you know, park close to somebody that's going to open the door and ding the car. Didn't, didn't, you know, I was worried about, you know, people stealing it. So I had a removable steering wheel. I had hood locks on the hoods because there's no, you can open the, the hood of a 67, the little things right underneath the front, boom, you can get it and pull out all of the stuff in there. So I was very, I was very conscious of where I drove the car. I couldn't drive the car in the snow or in the rain. I wanted to make sure that it was that show quality and everything. And so that car really had me. I didn't, you know, I wasn't really the owner of the car. I was more of just like the, oh, can we go out today? Oh, cool. It's, it's 78 and sunny. And um, in fact, I, one of the other reasons why I sold the car is I ran out of money. I was almost done with all of the upgrades. The last upgrade I needed was this, the car that I bought was actually a drag car back in the 70s. And so they had stripped everything in the car, didn't have any AC or heater. So it was literally a fair weather car. Um, and so, you know, driving in the summertime with the windows down, driving in the, <laughs> in the wintertime with the windows up, you know, just crutching next to the, uh, the transmission to get the heat off of that. And so the last thing I was going to put in was this $2,500 um, aftermarket Aries um, AC and heater unit, but I ran out of money. And so literally that car had me, and so I was so glad to be rid of that. 
And now I have to remind myself that replacing a clutch on a Lamborghini runs just north of $10,000. So, and clutches on a Lamborghini are only usually meant to last about 20,000 miles. So maximum, maximum mileage on like a Lamborghini Aventador is usually around 60,000 miles. That's why if you see a Lamborghini Aventador for sale, which is their, their, their top model, you'll usually see them with less than 1,000 miles on them. So not really an everyday car. Um, all right, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Contentment is enjoying where we are and resting in the peace that God will provide. I'm married for the second time. When I was married for the first time is in the early 90s and I was um, going to Bible college at that time, living in Southern California. Um, so I was working, my, my wife then was working, was going to school, and it uh, takes a little bit of money to live in Southern California, and so I remember this one Friday night, we had just paid our rent, we had just paid all of our, all of our bills, and we had about $5 left over until our next paycheck. And so we went across the street, there was a little market there, and we bought a Tostino's pizza, it's like 89 cents, we bought a two liter of generic soda for like 69 cents bought a little quart of ice cream. And then next door to the grocery store was a, was a video store. And on Fridays and Saturday nights, they had 49 cent movie nights. We got ourselves like two or three movies. And we went home and we had this awesome date night under, for, for under $5. And it was so cool. That was, that was the feeling of peace and joy that we had knowing that, you know what, this is amazing. God, God is allowing me to go to school. He's allowing me to have a job. He's allowing me to have a place to live. All of my things have been paid for, and we even have a little bit left over to be able to enjoy. That, that is really what it means to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. It's, it's being able to say, you know what, no matter my situation, God's desire is to provide for me, and he will provide for me. But we need to be able to have content at that base level. And sometimes that base level is just, just a little bit above food and shelter. And we need to remember that that's, that's where it's at. Um, we, need to, we can maintain a heart of contentment with what I call the open hand principle. That open hand principle is this, that with an open hand, God is allowed to put in whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And at the same time, he's allowed to take out whatever he wants, whenever he wants. That is the Christian economy that we've all been created to enjoy and to work in. It is a, a God-dependent lifestyle, which literally says, if we're, we're not owners of any of our stuff. We are stewards. We are managers. And we should be accountable to the owner. And if the owner says, you know what? You've got X amount over here, and there's somebody over there that needs X amount. I need you to release that then we need to release that. Because the reality is, when you come into that place of need, God will release that to you. That is the blessing of knowing who your provider is. Whoever is writing your checks, they are not your provider. They are the instrument that God is using at this particular point in your life to provide for your needs. 
That is God's hand of blessing that is promised to each and every one of us. He, he says, behold, the lilies of the field, the birds of the air, do, not, do I not care for, for them more? And they, when they die and they wither away, they're not even aware that God's care and provision was over them. So we need to maintain an attitude of gratitude and be thankful for those little things. And the last thing we need to do is we need to check in daily with God. As I had shared at the beginning, we need to get our course corrections and we need to get a status report on the state of our heart. We know that when um, Jesus was approached by the rich young ruler, he approached Jesus and he says, Savior, Father, what, what must I, teacher, what must I do to, to obtain the kingdom of heaven? And he, Jesus gave him all of these different things to do. And he said, I've done all, he said, from birth, I've done all of those things. He says, okay, now go your way, sell all you have and give it to the poor. And the man had a dilemma because those things were not owned by him. They owned him instead of his heart being owned by Jesus. And that's why it says in the Bible that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And Jesus also said, he said, you know what? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a, a rich person to get into heaven. Now, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not speaking down on wealth because if God has blessed you, it is for a reason. But I want us to, we need to get rid of that myth that says that financial wealth or success is any measure to equate our spiritual sense of success. There, there's no relation. Really, the relation is understanding the abundance of God, His blessings, and not only that, but his willingness and his want to allow those blessings to flow through us. Amen? Amen. Psalm chapter 139, I'm going to end with this scripture. Verses 23 and 24. Let's go ahead and pray. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Father God, you know each and every one of our hearts. And Lord Jesus, this is not a message to condemn us. This is a message to free us, Father God. This is to free us from any of the snares that we've had in our own hearts, from things that have owned us instead of the other way around. Father God, help us to be good stewards and managers over the things that you've entrusted to our care. And Lord God, some of us can be amazing managers of your wealth to be able to bless so many. And so Father God, we also pray that you would give us um, understanding as to what your will is in our life, Lord Jesus. If it's your will for me to have a Lamborghini, then Father God, then give me that wisdom, give me that understanding. And Father God, um, help us to put our hand to the task in front of us and allow us to complete that task with the steadfastness of your Holy Spirit working through our lives. Lord Jesus, we give you glory, we give you praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this inspirational message. Please email questions, comments, and booking information for John to mail at johnlongwell.com to see the full range of creative works, including books, inspirational messages, music, art, and web development content. Please log on to www.johnlongwell.com. Thank you for listening. And may God's blessings be yours in abundance.